Every theater has a story to tell, and not just on stage. Theater legends abound worldwide from ghosts in the wings to phantoms of the opera. In this episode, we step into the Cahos musical in Cahos, New York. Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. Built in 1874, the Cahos Music Hall is the fourth oldest operational music hall in the country. The 475-seat theater stands in the heart of the Spindle City's historical district. In its early days, it played host to many a famous vaudevillian. Today, it hosts a wide variety of performances, from traditional theater to rock concerts and movie screenings. It's an intimate space featuring old-fashioned cushioned benches as well as traditional theater seats. The walls are adorned with much of its original gilded decor, or facsimiles of what was originally there. It's also supposedly home to one of its original performers, famous early 20th century vaudeville actress Eva Tangway. We met up with the Music Hall's event coordinator, Hannah Milkins, who told us more about Eva and the theater. I was actually just doing some recent research about her because there's a lot of different information floating around about her and it gets kind of jumbled sometimes. So I was like, I'm going to just make a timeline and kind of figure out where was she when and um, what, because Cohoes really claims her as like their own, um, even though she mostly lived in Holyoke, Massachusetts. So her family moved from like somewhere in Quebec when she was like six years old. They came down. I think he was a doctor. And so anyways, they were down here. They settled in Holyoke. So she started touring when she was pretty young, doing shows. I think she was like maybe 10 years old. And she was always really interested in acting. And so her family obviously was very supportive because I started researching different newspaper articles and like she was just all over the place. She was like performing with this troupe in Pennsylvania and then she was like in Missouri and she was in Illinois and she was all over at like a young age. A lot of the reviews I saw of her was just like, she was so delightful and energetic and bubbly and she just had this like really vivacious personality and I think it must have come through at a young age. Mm -hmm. And so as she kind of went forward, she ended up starting to like self-produce some of her own shows. Like at a young age, like, you know, 17, 18. I saw one listing where it was just like the Eva Tangway Company and she was only like 18 years old at the time and so people fell in love with her and she was very risky. Like, very scandalous, you know. This was back at the time when, like, a woman showing an ankle was, like, you know, a big deal. And she'd go out and, like, show a leg. Nate page six. <laughs> Obviously, I'm sure the men enjoyed just kind of, like, the flirtatiousness of that. And, you know, she, I'm sure a lot of admirers and pursuers. And one of the legends that connects her back to here kind of deals with a potential romantic entanglement she had and it must have been when she was young so if she if she lived in Cohoes, it must have been kind of before she went on and became really successful which was when she was maybe around 20 21 22 um so she would maybe like even late teens or so and so supposedly she had a relationship with this guy named daniel cosgrow who was like an irish guy living here you know in Cohoes, a typical small town boy and he went on to become the mayor of Cohoes later but so supposedly they had this relationship going on and then they had a fight before she left to go do her first broadway show i've seen some listings kind of talking about that and so who knows what they argued about but you know i saw some articles that were saying like he kind of watched her career go on and then she's getting married and she, you know she would have been like basically like all over the tabloids if you will mm -hmm. she was a big celebrity of the day and so she's 
she had all these crazy antics. I saw one story where it's just like something went wrong backstage and she literally like cut up an entire curtain with a pair of scissors, like as like a tantrum. What years was she around? So she she performed here when she was like a teenager. I saw, I found one newspaper article that listed that and kind of gave a very good review of a performance she had just done here in Cohoes. Because this was the first theater built in this area. Well, in Cohoes itself. Later on, I think 1899 was the next year that one was built. So there's a large span of time where this was the only performance venue. Okay. So anybody who was touring through would have come here. At this point in our conversation, we heard a hum, and the walls actually started quivering. Don't mind that. The, the walls sometimes make quivering sounds. It only goes on for usually about like 20, 30 seconds, and then it stops. I'm not really sure what it is. There's a lot of strange sounds in this building. So she went on to become successful. He stayed here. He became the mayor at one point. And supposedly whenever she came back into town to do a performance, like he would take her out to dinner and they'd have a connection. And, you know, he kind of looked down on the way that she kind of was making some of her life decisions. And I'm sure was kind of disappointed with some of her, you know, craziness and antics and scandals and this, that, and the other. Um, but the fact that he never married is kind of interesting. Maybe he had this, you know, desire for for her that was never really fulfilled, you know, and so he kind of maybe kept a little candle burning for her in his heart. So some of the story goes back to the reason why she would come back to Coe's of all places, because she obviously went to so many different areas um, to perform. This obviously wasn't the only place she ever was. Why would she come back to Cohoes? Well, you know, I think love is definitely kind of one of those reasons that you can kind of, you know, imagine, well, why would she want to hunt here if she, you know, her and Daniel were like true loves, then maybe she wanted to come back here and kind of be close to him. Yeah. And I found reference also, so she went on to lose her entire fortune. She was very frivolous with it, but then in like the stock market crash back in the 20s, she ended up losing her entire fortune. And so she was like penniless. Then she like became arthritic and she actually went blind. And so like her life completely fell apart. She was living, I think in like Los Angeles by the end of her life and was kind of like, didn't have a lot of friends, didn't have a lot of money, you know, that washed up actress, if you will. And so one of her friends who had been a performer with her decided to raise some money for her to help her out. And apparently there was somebody in the East who was an admirer um, that had known her that like donated a lot of money towards her. And so I saw one article that kind of hinted, you know, it was an anonymous donation, oh. but from somebody in the East, mayor. you know, <laughs> so who knows? You don't know. We'll, we'll never be able to confirm, but I mean, I like to imagine, you know, that there could be kind of a cool story behind it. And he even wrote a whole poem about her and it was published in one of the Cohoes newspapers. Huh. So we know for sure that there was a connection there, like that's substantiated. Now. When did this, I guess, I don't know if it would be easy to trace, like when did people start thinking that she was here? No, that's a really good question because I think when it comes to like kind of urban legends like that, there's so much word of mouth going around. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's been, you know, forever that people have thought that because I've also found reference to a ghost that people refer to as the Lady in Black. Um, who supposedly people have spotted. There's like a certain seat up in the music hall balcony that she's supposedly supposed to haunt. Eternal season tickets then, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, some people have said, well, there's Eva and the Lady in Black, or maybe the Lady in Black became Eva after a while. And I've had some ghost hunters actually who've come through the building. More recently, there's a Cohoes Paranormal Society. And so they came through a couple different times to do some investigations. They tell you that they found anything? 
the first one they did they set up a couple cameras and they were in different locations and so there was kind of this weird there was this weird shape that went in front of both of the cameras at different points that was slightly translucent but like it was strange it was definitely one of those things where I'm like, well, I don't really know what that is. I mean, it doesn't look like a ghost, per se. Like, it's not like a form of a person. But there is something strange, and it went in front of both of the cameras at different times and kind of just, like, flew in front of them. Interesting. So, you know, who knows? And there were some different little recordings where they supposedly heard some kind of breathing, some different voices, things like that, some whistling. One of the other stories that, that I've heard people tell is of a stagehand that was supposedly killed working on one of the performances. I don't know if it was like a sandbag that fell on or like some sort of accident happened. And so people have like told me some stories about, you know, having that kind of encounter. And when the paranormal society came in, supposedly they were they were they were talking with, with some entity and, you know, were finding out that they had something to do with like working at the theater and so, you know, you could start, you know, if you want to putting all those things kind of together. Why do you think theaters are such fertile ground for legends like these and stories like these? One of the things that I've really found is that a lot of people who work in theater are very superstitious people, just as a general blanket statement. <laughs> They're very superstitious about, you know, they have little rituals and things before they go on stage. Like we even have a little ritual, if you will, for Eva, where before every single performance, People put something, um, usually like a rose or chocolate, or sometimes bands have put a t-shirt or like a CD up in one of the top balcony boxes in front of the stage, those kind of gold gilded areas on the side. Uh, the one on the top right has often been the one where they, there's like a little hole in the wall on the opposite side where you can kind of like put something in there. And so a lot of times, you know, our different production crew will tell the different groups that come through about about the legend and the lore and, and, and say, okay, well, if you want the show to go well and nothing to go wrong with the sound or the lights, you must make an offering to Eva first. Wow, I love it. I think that's great. Yeah, and so and, and <laughs> and I would say they, almost everybody does it. And, and bands, you know, even just like touring concert bands, like they'll come in and they take it very seriously. And it's just kind of like this thing that I think, you know, I don't know if it goes back to like the early days of theater, um, you know, but, but there's almost just this idea of like, there are things beyond our control, but here's these little things that we can do to make sure that things go our way. And, and then it becomes passed down. And once you have that, like one kind of thing in a theater, it's like, it keep, it's just like, it just gets passed down over and over and over and over again. And I think also because theater is very story based. You know, people are storytellers. And then you have actors and actresses, which obviously love to embellish things. And so, you know, I think, I'm sure kind of as, as things went on, you know, it was a, it was a way of, of, of having kind of this verbal history being passed down. Yeah. Uh, because I, you know, I, I agree there's a lot of different theaters that probably every theater probably claims to be haunted. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Or there's something, something that they do. Like I remember uh, when I went to high school, um, the director of our plays always had us sort of sit back um, outside of the, like go not be backstage, like sit back in like the green room or something and just be quiet for a little while so that the ghosts could kind of like run through the house before the the performance. I mean, this was at high school. This wasn't the theater, but like, yeah, you know, I was kind of like whether or not he actually believed that that was a thing. Like it was still like a cool tradition and you kind of just, it kind of just helped you kind of center yourself before going on stage. So 
I had an intern who who was helping me out with, for the past year, and he took it very seriously. And I can remember there was one time we were getting ready to do a show, and he's like, "Have we left a rose for Eva? We don't have a rose. I'm gonna run down the street and go to the florist real quick and grab one." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Whatever, it's fine. We'll be all right." He's like, "No, we won't. We need to go get a rose." Wow, that florist probably has pretty good business from Eva. <laughs> she set up just to be right here. It's yeah, just yeah. just because she knew. She was like, yeah, "I got this." <laughs> Exactly. Well, new every single show, that's at least one rose, you know, and that adds up over time. So we've got Eva, the legend of Eva, the woman in black, the stagehand. Were there any others that you knew of or heard of? Those are the main stories that I've heard. And there was there any story behind the woman in black besides just people seeing a woman in black sitting on the balcony? I haven't heard anything else. Okay. Um, she's been a little bit more mysterious, if you will. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've definitely heard many different stories about little things that have happened, you know, that then people have attributed to one or the other, you know, like things that go missing or even just, I came into work, I think it was on Monday and like all the lights were on upstairs and I was like, you know, so I was a little upset. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Like who was in the building over the weekend and left the lights on? And so I made a couple of phone calls and was able to talk to the guy who was running the rehearsal. He's like, I, I know that I went around and I turned every single light in the building off. And I was just like, well, they were all on this morning and I noticed them on Sunday night and I, you know, and all this stuff. And I was, I was like, okay, well, who knows what maybe happened? Maybe Eva was a little upset. And she just kind of was like, Ch-ch-ch. we usually leave a ghost light on for her on the stage. Oh, really? We haven't had it on recently though, actually, now that I think about it. There's your answer. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't experienced anything yourself other than the shaky, the shake, shaky, shaky walls, vibrating walls. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I've never actually experienced anything, which is weird because I mean I'm in here. I actually work alone every day, so I'm in the building a lot, just doing things by myself. Yeah, you're most susceptible. Yeah, of of anybody, I would be. You know, I definitely get scared a lot. I'm afraid of the dark, I'll just be honest. I don't do well in the dark. And so the thing that's a little kind of creepy is that so all the lights in the music hall are actually in the back corner in a, like a, like a door-locked door room. And so you have to like go all the way in there, turn the lights off, but then you have to walk through the entire theater in the dark in order to get out. And it's just, I always find that kind of mildly horrifying. And <laughs> I'd be like, la, 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 la. I know, I'll literally, like, I will run. I remember this one time I did a movie night for, like, a community group. And, you know, sometimes when I know people, it's like, hey, can you just wait with me? Like, don't leave me alone. And I, all of a sudden I just turned around and everyone was gone. And I was just alone. And every light in the building was still on. It's, like, 10 o'clock at night. I was like, crap. <laughs> So I go into the corner and I just bolted and I ran as fast as I could through the entire building, switching all the light switches off and just like got out. My heart was like pounding and I go out and they're all just like casually chatting outside and I'm just like. Because <laughs> like, this is the 21st century, they need to set up a, like an app or something, like t- tie all the lights to an app and you could just do it from your phone outside. <laughs> I love that. That would be amazing. I totally need that. Do you know any theaters with great legends? Tell us about them. Email us at lightson at wamc.org. If you liked this episode, stay tuned. We have another podcast coming out about theater legends. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the Lights On is a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head over to wamc.org. 